Hi, I'm Catherine Gray, founder of She Angel Investors and co-founder of the She Angels Foundation. I'm also the podcast host of Invest in Her and an award-winning producer, author, and TEDx speaker. Our show, Invest in Her, features phenomenal female founders and funders. As you know, women receive less than 2% of venture capital funding. Our series is about accelerating the funding of women by connecting them to funding resources. Let's meet today's guest. Today's guest is the founder of Tomboy X, a game-changing niche fashion company. Please welcome to the show, Fran Dunaway. Hey, Fran, how are you? Hi there. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. So happy to have you on. Uh, your story's amazing. And I think it'll resonate with a lot of people. Um, a little background first, you were just uh, telling me that you were born in Alabama. Correct. I was born in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think, I think maybe you got rid of that accent. Yeah, I was actually an army brat. And so uh, very adaptive to my environment. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. So, but now you have winded up in San Francisco. Yep, temporarily. We um, actually, I co-founded the company with my wife, yes. and uh, we are temporarily in San Francisco. But our company is based headquarters are in Seattle. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you have quite a success story, and I am excited to share it with our listeners and uh, tell them about your incredible uh, shop. Let's first tell people what Tomboy X is, and I'll let you tell them in your words. Sure. Tomboy X is a gender neutral apparel company. We started in the underwear space by uh, producing the first boxer briefs made for women. And turns out if you get the fit and quality right, it'll fit any body type. So uh, we had started about uh, nine years ago and um, have expanded our categories into swimwear, sleepwear, loungewear and activewear. I love it. You know, I think all people, whether it's LGBTQ or, uh, you know, other people uh, that are binary or whatever, I, I think that everybody's looking for that niche clothing that, hey, this is for anybody, man, woman, you know, non-binary person, whatever, like we're just humans and uh, we just want good fitting clothes. Right. And I think you're in, you know, obviously, obviously you're in the right place at the right time because Tomboy X is taken off like crazy. You're super successful. Uh, you've had a, uh, an ability to raise a lot of funding for this. And I want to talk about that because our listeners are always curious how they raise money. Um, and then also too, I like to put people, you know, on the radar for, for them to be shopping. Uh, they may not know about Tomboy X. Uh, I know I'm a customer and uh, a big fan of your clothing and uh, love that you're expanding the lines. That's super exciting. Let's tell people how it actually started because you started, you were working in corporate America. I know at a very, you and your wife at very successful jobs. I only imagine that there's a lot of listeners that we have that are doing that, but they have this like idea like you all had. How did you make that transition? Because that is not an easy leap from a super successful corporate job to being an entrepreneur. Am I right? Oh, yeah. It's it's not only very difficult, it's uh, it's terrifying. And uh, like you say, when you have a you know perfectly uh, good job, lucrative and, you know, paychecks and insurance and all, you know, vacations, stuff like that, that you don't get as an entrepreneur, because once you take the leap, 
you kind of have to go with it. And uh, we we really didn't know anything about running a business. I was a executive producer for political ads and uh, partnered a media strategies company. Naomi was a sports massage therapist for Olympic level athletes. And so um, we we knew numbers, but not in, this, in the sense of uh, balance sheets and, and P&Ls. And we also didn't know a nip from a woven. So we had a, a lot to learn. Fortunately, we both uh, are very tenacious and committed to seeing, th- seeing things through. But I think that the bigger thing was that there was a white space and that there was a community that embraced us and that we're very happy that we were doing something that uh, that they wanted. And, you know, to your point around binary, gender, clothing isn't gendered in uh there's this this uh, marketing ploy that started in the 80s where, you know, they said boys are blue and girls are pink. And and uh, that's just really kind of put us into this binary that has got gotten wider and wider. And so it's nice to see. Wait a minute. I have well, to go you know, change my yeah. pink shirt. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How to get that in there. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so yeah, so that I think it's just, you know, I think we're moving into a more inclusive and uh, kind of a non-binary world. I think you're absolutely right. And obviously, y'all were in the right place at the right time. Uh, I want to talk about, you know, the money you've raised to date. Uh, I know you all have raised in the millions. Yeah, about 18 million. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you say it like it's nothing, you know, there's out, there's, there's these founders out there, you know, you remember when you were one of them saying, oh, I just want to raise a million dollars or yeah. half dollars. How did you make that leap from that initial, say half a million or million to the 18 million? Like, what did that take? You know, once I, I, I think it's really important if, for entrepreneurs that are thinking about um, raising money. And one is, if you if you take outside investment dollars, then you have made a commitment to make money for the investor. And so how are they going to get their money back? And so that then makes what you're doing um, about growth. And that's the only way your investors are going to get more money out of their investment in what you're doing. If we had wanted to be a mom and mom shop and just, you know, get to 10 million in revenue and we could we could build that and have a perfectly excellent lifestyle with about 10 employees. But we recognize that there was a bigger growth opportunity out there, as you said, that, you know, everybody wants comfortable underwear. And so that was that was when we recognized that we had this trajectory that was appealing to investors for the first uh, beginning of what we were doing. And that's really the only way that we were able to find outside investment is showing the proof is in the in the numbers and in the trends and where we're going. And we could show um, quantitatively that if we put more money into marketing, for example, we could grow faster. And so that's really what was the the impetus behind being able to raise money is mm-hmm. is that there was potential for rapid growth. And we're not talking you know, 10 or 15% growth, we're talking 50 to 60% year over year growth, which is what most capital or institutional investors certainly are looking for. So you you started off with a crowdfund, correct? Yes. 
Yeah, which is interesting because I love to share how people got started. So you did a crowdfunding. And I do think one of the beautiful things about a crowdfunding is um, you're not answering to any investors. You're getting fans to your product. And you um, it's it's a, like a built-in marketing, right? Well, for us, it was a proof of concept. Yeah. And at the time, there it was the only platform out there was um, Kickstarter, and so it it wasn't an investment. They were they were pledging money to your company. They you could get a T-shirt or a hat or or buy our product, which we hadn't made yet. And so it was really funding to make our product. Since then, the laws have changed, and there are these other crowdfunding platforms out there that are equity. And so they've changed kind of the accreditation of of investors and what that means. So you can for a hundred bucks, you can invest and get some equity in a company, a startup company. So there are a lot of different ways. Um, you know, there's probably a dozen different ways of funding now, the crowdfunding that weren't available when we did our Kickstarter. But yeah, we we had a successful Kickstarter. It, for us, it was a proof of concept. We wanted to get more names and on our email list, and we needed the money to to get our shirts into production. So we we uh, raised seventy six thousand dollars in thirty days, and and uh, and but the bigger thing that we got out of it was that we recognized we'd chosen the right name. Tomboy was resonating in a big way, powerful way that, and we were able to recognize that we had instant brand recognition just because of the name. So that was a big aha moment. And probably the, the thing that we, the, the smartest thing we did was get, pick that name and stick with it. Yeah. It's a great name. It's brilliant. I love it. Um, and your product, you figured out in that crowdfunding, which is always like a great focus group, right? Like what was the product? Like, I don't know that you thought it was underwear initially, did no, you? No, no, we we made a cool button-up shirt. I, I like a shirt with a collar, and and uh, I was frustrated with the lack of options for quality button-up shirts that had fun details like a Robert Graham or Ben Sherman for women. So that's where we started. But when we had the Kickstarter and we recognized there was this white space, we started wondering that exact question and asked ourselves, once we raised the money, we got the shirts into production, and then we we would just buy hats and stuff and put our logo on it because it was selling and and we were wondering what was what was going to be kind of our hero product that we could build a brand around and we started listening to our customers and our customers we were hearing from various customers around the US that were saying make boxer briefs for women and we didn't know that that wasn't being done. And so I Googled or I went to Nordstrom.com and typed in boxer briefs for women and up came a pair of Spanx and that was it. So <laughs> that's no longer the case. You can go to Nordstrom.com and find Tomboy X boxer briefs today. Um, so yes, that was that was kind of the the genesis of, of, of pivoting. And, and the fact that we listened to our customers, we pivoted and six months later, we had tripled our revenue. And that's when we started seeing the growth trajectory that uh, made investment from outside investors uh, appealing. You know, and I think that the key word there was pivot. Like, that's exactly what you did. You didn't say, you know, nope, we want to make these shirts and that's what we're making. You literally listened and pivoted and made that underwear your your main thing for a long time. And now you're pivoting again. I see, you know, going into loungewear and sportswear and things like that, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you first, after you did your 
crowdfunding and you figured out, you know, learned a lot from that focus group. Um, what was the next thing you did? Did you start to pitch uh, angel investors? Was that your next step? Um, no, our next step was just uh, staying afloat. Uh, you know, we we bootstrapped for the first three and a half years. Naomi and I didn't take a paycheck. We uh, we did uh, freelance work uh, on the on the on weekends or every other week. One of us would do take a job, or she would see clients in the morning or in the evening as her massage clients, mm -hmm. just to make it work. And every every dollar that came back into the company was spent on the company. And so then I applied for. Uh, a uh, accelerator program based in Boulder, Colorado and got accepted. And so when we got there, they pulled us aside and said, you've really got something special here. You should think about raising some money. And we didn't know the vernacular. We didn't know a, a thing. There weren't podcasts like this where we could go and and figure it out. So um, we had a lot to a big grow, uh, learning curve there as well. But they they took the lead on our first investment and they helped us raise our first million dollars. Wow. And I, I definitely advocate for people uh, going with an accelerator program. There's more and more of them. And I find that the ones that uh, entrepreneurs that end up being the most successful usually have gone through an accelerator program. So if someone's out there uh, working in corporate America, has an idea, wants to start a business, um, I would recommend, you know, following the path that you did, which is, you know, starting with that crowdfund and then looking for an accelerator to help you learn how to pitch to investors and eventually venture capital. Have you all pitched as uh, part of your funding from venture capital? Yeah, we we uh, closed the Series B with venture capital. Um, and, and to your point around the accelerator, you're absolutely right. You know, when we would we would go out and be uh, pitching to angel groups and whatnot with uh, with our original pitch deck and and would get nowhere. But once we came out of the accelerator, I don't think there was a, a well. There might have been a couple that we didn't come in first place, but we were always in the top three. And so um, it was it really made a difference not only in our presentation but how to think about it and and what our deck looked like and and it was all about our uh, demo day for us. Um, I think it was a three-month program, and, and at the end of it, it, it culminated in Demo Day, which is getting up and pitching. So that made a tremendous difference and really set the trajectory. And then we closed a Series A with a, with a, um, with a venture. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, a, well, it was kind of a venture fund. And then, and then we closed our Series B with a venture capital firm from the UK that reached out to us. We didn't go to them. They found us and wow. wanted to make an investment. And so we said, yes. Yeah, of course. That's awesome. Um, and from your first deck to the deck that you did at the accelerator, like everybody always has this story, you know, that their first one, they can't even believe it when they look back on it. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. What what do you think was missing from that first deck? If you could share one or two things. Oh, cringeworthy. I try to block. <laughs> um, you know, just just the succinctness of the story and what it is we were building and and what our traction was and kind of, you know, bringing it down to a 10 page deck that is um, that you can articulate and just whip through. Um, mm -hmm. I remember having to rehearse it and over and over and over again and, and working on it in the shower night before I go to sleep. And, and it's interesting because you build that muscle like today, 
if I if if I made a ten page deck today, I'd I'd be I could just wing it and go through it. Um, whereas it was so hard at the beginning, and so that's interesting to look back on. But um, you know, we, we're just a very different company. We we evolved so much from that original concept, and I think that that's part of growing a business is is taking a look at what you have and then and then seeing what what the market is and what your customers want and then following that and that will lead you to success. Yes, absolutely. And uh can you say how many customers you have today? Oh gosh. Uh no, I have, I have no idea. Okay. So thousands. I know we I know we've um had we've sold over a million and a half pair of underwear for sure. Oh wow. And um we have do, 40 employees. And and do uh besides uh people from the LG, LGBTQ community, do you get uh feedback from um, you know, straight women or 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 men or oh yeah. 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 So um, only everybody. About, I would say probably maybe 50% of our company are from LGBTQ plus community. So we have a, a lot of uh a lot of women out there who are shirking the Victoria's Secret notions and and really want to feel empowered and feel good about their bodies and, and embrace comfort. And so that's what we're about. We also, the fact that we are so size inclusive, uh, we carry triple extra small to six X. Right. And and uh we don't we don't just grade our products on a on a um algorithm. We actually bring in real customers for fit testing and fit modeling so that we get the the fit and the quality right and we make adjustments for example um, our 6x we brought in a focus group of of 6x customers and talked to them about their specific needs and so that 6x is a very different product than our extra triple extra small but it we offer it for the same price and and the fact that we're b corp certified all of our practices are um, have a sustainability uh, lens to them, and we're constantly innovating and coming up with new ways to to improve the the planet and um, our community. So, so it's really for us, it's about having values that we stand for, and that appeals to a, a vast majority of people. Now, in the beginning, uh, because we are part of the LGBTQ plus community, and Facebook had a way to focus on or put ads in front of those people. That's how we built the company. But uh, it was never our intent to be exclusive uh, LGBTQ. And, and just that alone, I just think uh, having that wide open mind was so smart of you uh, not to just uh, totally drill down and, mm -hmm. and limit yourself. Um, was it mostly uh, LGBTQ that invested in your company or no no not at all yeah. i would say maybe a third of the of this uh seed round were or lgbtq if that but i could tell you 95 percent of them are women and uh i love that that was, that was our first well this was pre-victoria secrets fall and mm -hmm. uh a lot of the white guys sitting around with the checks. We had, uh, I can't tell you the number of times I was asked, well, what's wrong with Victoria's Secret? Yeah, and you told me that. I was like, OMG, you know, that's why we need more female investors mm -hmm. because people tend to invest in people they identify with. Yep. And so if it's all white men sitting at that table making the decisions, that's why 
great companies like yours sometimes don't get funded, but luckily mm-hmm. you found the right people. Yeah, it wasn't easy, but yeah, it was, it took a lot of work. I spent the first four years of, of our company raising money. That was my full-time job. I used to say I had two jobs really. One was to uh, not run out of money. And the second was to not fuck it up. So Naomi <laughs> did everything else. <laughs> you were, you were uh, the head of not fucking up. Division. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you did a great job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We're pretty proud of it. So how many years uh, now for Tomboy X? Nine years, just about, yeah, nine years in in April. So uh, we hired a CEO and COO last year, uh, last September. So Naomi and I are semi-retired. And so we we do things like this and we get out and tell our story and and, uh, let the team run the business. So that, that feels pretty darn good as well. I love that. What, what is the future for Tomboy X? Are you going to continue to add more divisions or, you know, what, what's the future? Yeah, we're, we're actually expanding. We're hiring today. We keep growing. Uh, we look at continued growth and um, just looking at w- awareness, brand awareness as we expand internationally. We've got some wholesale deals. We just had a wonderful uh, collaboration with Target for Pride this past year. And um, so we're, we're just looking at a lot of ways to just in, continue to grow. Yeah. And you mentioned Nordstrom. So is that a focus getting into more stores? Uh, we will do some selective kind of um, pop-up shops, if you will. Uh, Nordstrom has been carrying us online for the past few years. So we'll continue that. And um, with the limited capacity, our uh, Amazon, we're going to increase our presence on Amazon and we're just uh, we'll we'll have some you know, pop up shops with uh, various brands, but not not going full on wholesale yet. Very cool. And and back to the very beginning when you had this idea and you decided, um, okay, people are asking for these boxer briefs. I think some people will say, oh, I have this great idea, but I don't know where to begin to manufacture it, to distribute it, uh, all of those things. How did you know what to do? Like, how did you start to design and manufacture the product? Well, we had very early on one of our rainbow, I call them rainbow unicorn moments. Um, and we we had the shirts. We had a designer we worked with who's a friend. And so we had a conversation and said, hey, we're going to go this different direction. We're going into boxer briefs. I know that's not your al- up your alley. So we'll, you know, we'll see you later. And then we put into the universe, literally sat down Naomi and I and said, what we need is a person that knows manufacturing and sourcing. And a week later, I kid you not, I got an email from this woman named Julie Nomi. And she said, I've got 30 years of manufacturing and sourcing experience. And can I have a meeting with you? She was looking for, um, for clients. She, she had a consulting business. And so we met with her. Of course, we were so super excited and already bowing at her feet. And she was so adorable because she showed up to meet with us in our warehouse that had no air conditioning and no heat. And uh, and she presented us a PowerPoint about how she could help us. And it was just, I kid her about it to this day. 
So she really came on board when we decided to make boxer briefs. She came into our lives and she ran that part of the business. Last year, when we semi-retired, she fully retired from the company. So it was it was quite a milestone and and, uh, pretty remarkable uh, that she just showed up like that. And so, yeah, magic happens. And so we didn't have to figure it out. She taught us. That's great. But you you did do what I always say, you know, uh, what you say and what you think and what you put out there is what manifest. And you knew exactly what you were looking for, put it out there and there it, there it came. I mean, that's the way the universe works, right? It's like magic. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. it was well, that is an amazing story. And I know it's been a long road and, you know, this is your ninth year and it doesn't happen overnight. That's why I always tell people, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, boy, you really better love what you're doing. And like mm-hmm. you said, it's not easy raising money, but if you so passionately believe in it, you will get there, right? Absolutely. And yeah. I'd like to, to tag on to what we were just saying in terms of the things that we didn't know, because I think that was more to your question. It wasn't since we had someone that could do the manufacturing and sourcing, but the things we didn't know, we found mentors early on. Yeah. And and that was critical. Naomi was running the back end of the business. So she found a guy that that ran the back end of a successful kid's clothing line. And he and his wife built it and sold it. And and she would just go and take him out for beer and pick his brain and say, what do I need? What do I need to do now? Or how do I think about this? And I did the same thing. I found someone that really understood fundraising and and marketing and uh, digital marketing specifically. And we're close, close friends to this day. And so it's really finding the people that that have been there before that are willing to help you. And they're out there. You just have to find them and and um, and then and then make that connection and, and build a relationship. Agree 100%. Uh, I think the biggest mistake some entrepreneurs do is they try to just figure it out all on their own. Um, And really, that doesn't make sense. We are not men as human beings to be able to do everything. But the whole purpose of the universe and the dance is that you go find people who are great at what they do and love doing that that you don't know about or, uh, you know, have the gift of doing. Uh, And that's kind of what makes it all work, right? Surrounding Mm -hmm. yourself with the people that do what you don't know how to do so you can do more of what you're great at, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing the journey. Uh, So happy for you. Such an amazing company. Love the product. Such good quality products. And uh, really can't wait to see where it goes over the coming years. But you certainly fill an important niche. And we thank you for your dedication of creating something that was so necessary that did not exist. So bravo. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we, we like to do good work. Absolutely. All right, everybody visit Tomboy X uh, and tell your friends about it. And thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm sure we've impacted some people's lives today and that's what it's all about. So absolutely, make it a great week, everybody. Thanks so much, Fran. Remember, if you're looking to launch a business or grow your business, check out our e-course, Six Ways to Fund Your Business, available at sheangelinvestors.com. Hi, I'm Kai Dickens, the director and co-producer of the new documentary film, Girls Just Want to Have Funds. And I'm the executive producer, Catherine Gray, founder of She Angel Investors. And as you know, women get less than 2% of venture capital funding. 
And we want to make sure people are educated about that and have the tools to fix it. And a movie is only part of the equation. The next part is an impact campaign, which will help roll our film out to film festivals, to women empowerment groups, to conferences, to universities, anywhere that we can reach people. Absolutely, and helps us create our website and resources so that we can actually help educate people about how they can get involved. So that's where you come in. Your donations help us create this grassroots campaign movement that you can be a part of in so many ways. Thank you so much for your time and hopefully your contribution. We're excited to be on this journey with you.